I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. Let's talk about Manoj Punjabi, the media mogul of Indonesia. But first, why now? Well, he is a recent billionaire joining Forbes 2022 list of the richest Indonesians with a net worth of 1.05 billion dollars. Punjabi runs MD Entertainment, which is Indonesia's biggest production house, and according to Bloomberg, plans to carve out his own Hollywood-inspired media empire in Indonesia's 13 billion dollar entertainment and media market. Well, that's great, but who is Manoj Punjabi? Well, Indonesian entertainment has always had a strong, though low-key Indian presence behind the scenes, with around 50% of producers having Indian origins, according to a 2015 article by the Hindu. And Manoj Punjabi comes from one of those legacy families. Much like his namesake in Big Boss, he got famous working in television in Indonesia. After stints in the paper and textile sectors. In 1995, Punjabi joined his father at his uncle's company, Tripar Multivision Plus, which dominated the local soap opera scene on the silver screen. But in 2002, the father-son duo split from Multivision Plus based on differences in vision, and they started their own group named after themselves, Dhamu and Manoj, which was MD. So MD Entertainment started with soap operas too, producing one of the country's longest-running telenovelas. But soon expanded into movies. Since 2008, they have broken box office records many times, and in 2018 became Indonesia's first publicly listed film company. Fortune explains how Punjabi understood the value of local representation over international features and found a balance between cinema and streaming. Owing to this, in 2021, Tencent, the Chinese tech giant with its own streaming platform. Bought a 15% stake in MD Entertainment, valued at around 50 million dollars. And last year, waiting till cinemas were back in full swing, the production house released three of Indonesia's ten most successful movie of the year, including locally produced horror flick Curse of the Dancing Village, which went on to become the country's highest-grossing film ever, bringing in 9.2 million viewers and 25 million dollars in revenue. Since then, according to Bloomberg. MD Pictures stocks have risen by 186%, and Punjabi's stake in the company has grown to 1.6 billion dollars. This has fueled both his lavish lifestyle, and by that I mean for his 50th birthday, he had Shah Rukh Khan perform for him, and his plans for expansion. MD Entertainment now hopes to capture a global streaming audience as giants such as Netflix expand into international content. While its parent company MD Corp is looking to expand beyond film and television, it's looking to get into animation and real estate. It's like as Bloomberg says, quoting an industry expert, "The Punjabis are Indonesian Hollywood." For the next few minutes, you're going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology, business, policy, and anything that leaves you with food for thought. Hello, I'm Manaswini, and this is the deep dive for 24th November 2023. Listeners, just for a minute or so, suppose that humans have indeed developed AI systems which are far smarter than the smartest of human beings. For the sake of our silly discussion, let's call this super intelligent AI Meda. 
A manufacturer of paper clips asks Medha to maximize production of paper clips. Medha unlike humans takes instructions very very seriously and so she goes on to producing piles and piles of paper clips and in her mission to maximize production Medha converts the entire earth into a paper pin making facility and when she runs out of minerals Medha starts employing human atoms this is how humanity meets its end and to be clear mad paper pin production is not my take on ai apocalypse but an example of a super intelligent ai going rogue popularized by swedish philosopher nick bostrom who wrote a book in 2014 called super intelligence the paper clip has since become a symbol of ai danger in fact last year as reported by the wall street journal an employee at ai startup anthropic sent thousands of paper clips in the shape of open ai's logo to the company's san francisco office the message was loud and clear in silicon valley currently the worry that one day super intelligent ai will come to destroy the whole of humanity has become almost an obsession of the highly divisive and highly influential social movement known as effective altruism the movement and its philosophies have taken hold of ai companies in particular and as the wall street journal puts it pitting believers against non believers sam altman's sudden ouster and now dramatic return to open ai as its ceo was to an extent the result of the friction between these two factions and yes before we delve into the whole business of effective altruist here's the update since we last talked about it the breakup was in final after all and now after days of twists and turns sam altman has returned to open ai as its ceo and i hope for the love of god that this is the final word and now two former members of open ai board Tasha Mikoli and Helen Toner who voted in favor of ousting Altman have ties with the effective altruism movement effective altruism i think was best described by the economists as quote on quote a group of scientifically minded do gooders these do gooders advocate for doing maximum good for maximum number of people with application of science and reason in its initial days effective altruists argued that if you are rich You should not go about doing charity without thinking. Rather, think of how you can do maximum good with that charity. As Bloomberg noted, in the early 2010s, the effective altruism movement had given rise to numerous non-profits guiding donors towards causes like purchasing malaria nets in sub-Saharan Africa, offering kidneys to those in need, and distributing medical supplies in less developed nations. In effective altruism speak, that's near-termism. doing good for people living today but how did ai get involved in all this well there's another branch of effective altruism called long termism which emphasizes doing greater good for the people of the future by preventing them from going extinct so effective altruists rally behind the idea that yes we need to pour our resources into developing super intelligent ai systems such a technology will transform the economy but first let's make sure that such ai will be beneficial for the greater humanity they insist that companies developing ai should prioritize ai safety over the speed of ai development otherwise we'll be digging our own graves and this is the source of conflict among ai developers reports from various outlets suggest that open ai's board was worried that altman wasn't paying much attention to ai safety instead going about rapidly commercializing ai According to the Wall Street Journal, Altman called effective altruism an incredibly flawed movement that showed very weird emergent behavior. 
Plus, the information reported that Altman even had an argument with OpenAI board member Helen Toner just before the ouster. And the fact that eventually, despite the public embarrassment, Altman returned to OpenAI and three of the four board members who ousted him were replaced shows the limits of the influence of effective altruism. Plus, the movement does have high-profile backers. According to the Wall Street Journal, Dustin Moskowitz, co-founder of Facebook, and Jan Talon, the billionaire founder of Skype, have pledged billions of dollars to effective altruism research. But the very economics of developing AI, which forces AI startups to heavily depend on big tech companies such as Microsoft, came in the way. But basically, in the latest episode, looks like big tech and business emerged as the ultimate winners. And before we sign off for the week, here is our third segment, One Last Thing, where we bring to you an offbeat story that you won't find in the headlines. Over in China, the good old game of hide-and-seek just got a digital upgrade thanks to a map application. So in 2017, Alibaba-owned AMAP elevated group stalking to a whole new level by allowing up to 100 people to simultaneously share their real-time locations with each other. And Google Maps, I hope you're taking some notes here. Anyway, fast forward to this year, according to MI Tech Review, young people in China started using this feature on AMAP to organize hide-and-seek contests with a twist. So picture this. Seekers and hiders are chasing and dodging each other based on live locations on their phones. Isn't this kind of giving you a major Pokemon Go vibe? But just this time, it's not pocket monsters. It's real flesh and blood humans. I've got to say, sign me up because that's exactly my kind of party. If you like listening to The Signal Daily, please show us some support. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this podcast. So feel free to shoot an email at hello at thesignal.co. The Signal Daily is produced in association with IVM. The episode was researched and written by Dhruv Sharma and Anoop Seemwal. Edited by Dinesh Narayanan. Produced by me. Mastered and mixed by Manas and Nirvan. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are thesignal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. 